Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from two authors, Josh Lovejoy and Jess Holbrook. I found this at medium.com. Josh Lovejoy is a UX designer in the Research and Machine Intelligence Group at Google, and Jess Holbrook is uh, pretty much the same thing, UX manager and UX researcher in the Research and Machine Intelligence Group at Google. So they're their colleagues, and they wrote a book. And here is the quote. As machine learning starts to power more and more products and experiences, let's step up to our responsibility to stay human-centered, find the unique value for people, and make every experience great. A couple of key words in there. Machine learning, okay, we talk about that all the time here on Game Changers Radio. We fondly refer to it as ML sometimes with its cousin AI, artificial intelligence. And human-centered is really what we're going to be focusing on today. Find the unique value for people. That's a tall order sometimes and make every experience great. You know in everything you do in your company or you as a consumer, whether it's B2B, B2C, it's all about the experience today. Are you happy? Are you getting what you need? Are Are people, are companies reaching you where you want to be reached with the experience that makes you satisfied doing business with them? So what are we talking about here? Let me take a step back. We're in the era of IoT, Internet of Things, machine learning, and predictive analytics. Beyond disrupting the business models and creating new business processes, These technologies have a huge impact on people, that's us human beings, because we are part of these processes. Listen, if you have an algorithm, there's a person probably somewhere who did the first version of that algorithm, so people are still involved in these processes. But what if these technologies don't work well for humans? Are they any good for us? Not so sure. Unless innovators take a user, human-centric approach, they run the risk of creating just a bunch of technical stuff, prototypes, and there's no real business value. There's a lot of critique in what I just said. So let's see what my three panelists have to say. I'm very pleased to welcome two newcomers to Game Changers and one returning panelist. I'll tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. In just a minute, we'll be meeting Naeem Zafar, co-founder and CEO of Telesense. Very interesting man. We'll find out what he does. Joining him is Mashoud Alam, Senior Director of Innovation and Digital Transformation at SAP. And rounding out the panel is our returning panelist, He is Adam Mardini, Global Innovation Executive at SAP. Welcome, gentlemen. And let's go around the table to Naeem Zafar, who has sent me a quote from Victor Hugo. Now, our young audience around the world, Naeem may not know who Victor Hugo is, so I'm going to read a little bio here. Victor Marie Hugo, uh, French, 
poet, novelist, and dramatist of the Romantic movement, considered one of the greatest and best-known French writers. Everybody knows who he is without knowing his name because he wrote the novel Les Miserables in 1862. Who hasn't seen the Broadway show Les Mis? That's where it comes from. He also wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notre Dame de Paris in 1831. He's also known for his poetry collections, and many of his works have inspired music, and musicals. As I said, he produced more than 4,000 drawings and campaigned for social causes such as abolishing capital punishment. Here's the quote Naim has selected from Monsieur Victor Hugo. There is nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Naim Zafar, welcome. How are you today? Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me about this quote. We're talking about machine learning. We're talking about technologies, AI and ML and predictive. And here we're talking about an idea whose time has come. What has come? Talk to me. So this idea of, you know, ideas are around a long time. Machine learning was talked about in 50s and 60s. And was always one of those things which will be changing our lives soon. But we've still been waiting for it. And suddenly, sun, moon, and the star are lining up. And I think now we have enough compute power, enough resources, enough algorithms, enough money thrown at it, that it is indeed changing the way we live, work, and how societies are organized. This quotation has always stuck with me because in my life I've seen that the things just have to come together when it all connects together and an explosion happens. So, you know, just just to connecting a personal story here. Mm, please. Uh, I mean, we were with a company, Veridicom. We invented the fingerprint sensor in 1997. Mm-hmm. We took two patents from Bell Labs and created a fingerprint sensor. And we had raised $38 million, put that into laptops with NEC and Fujitsu. But it was too early. It was a wrong time. There was not really? a problem needed to be solved. Fast forward 10 years. Apple buys that technology, my team works there now, and suddenly it's in the iPhone, it's the Touch ID, and next thing you know, that this is how people are paying with Apple Pay, this becomes the way you log in, and timing was right, because all other components were there. We have seen that in history, the timing is more important. Timing trumps almost everything in the startup world. So this code is always very close to my heart. Thank you very much. I, I want to take it just a little bit further. Timing, that's something that can be discerned, decided upon, Naeem, by a person, by a human being, or can you have an algorithm? Let's, let's, let's expand this a little bit. Can you have an algorithm that will say, when is a good time for this idea? To whom do you sell your idea? When does the team move from company A to company B? Or is this something that because, as you say, it, it had to be something that people wanted, were ready for, maybe as Steve Jobs said, they didn't even know they were ready for it, you just gave it to them. So where do people come into that part of knowing when the time has come? Naeem? Yeah, so I think it is a combination of things. And can a machine and algorithm predict when the timing is right? I think it can make it very definitively, it can help. But that's not the only thing. Timing, I'm talking about major trends. Mm-hmm. So this is when societies are ready to embrace something. There was a time when democracy made sense. Then there was a time it did not make sense. In Greece, 
about 3,000 or 2,500 years ago, 500 B.C., it was a democracy because the critical mass of the people, the size that the society was organized. Mm-hmm. And then a time happened, a bunch of things came together that in you know, late 18th century, it made sense again, and an experiment was born called America. So it is about connecting several hundred dots when timing becomes right. So it's people, a society, what people expect, what technologies exist, the ease of use, the connectivity. It is a complex algorithm. Can it be predicted in the future? Yes, but this is not one of the easy ones. Thank you very much for indulging and entertaining my question. I appreciate that. A lot more to hear from you, Naeem, and we'll get into your background. Sounds like you've done already some very fascinating innovations. We'll be talking to you in a few minutes, and let me move around the table a little bit to our next guest, Mashoud Alam at SAP. And he has brought us a quote from Arthur Schopenhauer. And Schopenhauer lived from 1788 to 1860, German philosopher, best known for his 1818 work, The World as Will and Representation, where he characterizes the phenomenal world as the product of a blind and insatiable metaphysical will. Sounds like way above my pay grade to understand what that means, Majud, but very interesting. Um, he, he influenced a lot of people in his writings on aesthetic morality and psychology. He in- influenced a lot of thinkers, including interestingly enough, uh, Emil Zola, George Bernard Shaw, Albert Einstein, Leo Tolstoy, Ludwig Wittgenstein, and uh, Samuel Beckett. So he did have a profound influence, Arthur Schopenhauer. Here's the quote. Talent hits a target no one else can hit. Genius hits a target no one else can see. Mashud Alam, welcome. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Talk to me about your quote. Go ahead. Tell me how it talks about our topic. And I haven't even given the topic officially. I will after you finish talking about your quote. Absolutely. So in this day and age, we are hearing about a lot of new technologies, including artificial intelligence, machine learning, IoT, as you mentioned. And uh, Naeem touched briefly upon um, the timing and the importance of finding the right problems. And that's what this quote is all about. It's about not just being efficient in hitting the target the most amount of time, which has already been identified. However, um, the innovation really happens when you have identified a problem that no one else has yet. And then you make use of whatever resources that are available at your disposal, including the technologies and skills, to be able to experiment in solving that problem, which makes sense for the human that is uh, facing that problem. And that's what is so important because as part of uh, my daily uh, routine and job, I work with customers to identify the problems which are pertinent in their industries, in their context for their customers, and then be able to leverage technologies to solve those problems. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I'm so intrigued by the idea that genius hits a target no one else can see. And let me toss the same question at you that I did to your colleague Naeem a moment ago. Mashud, can we program an algorithm to know when it's time for that algorithm to be the genius? Or do we still need human beings standing around saying, yep. I think maybe, yeah, let's pull an all-nighter. Yeah, I think there's something going on here. Look at the news feed. Look at what's going on in the tech world. We're on to something. Do you think that that human excitement is where the genius comes from, or is the genius in the algorithm? 
I think it depends on the the context in which you are looking at the problem. Mm-hmm. For example, if you are looking at whether machine learning can identify the new market opportunity, um, which is game-changing or market-creating, probably it's a stretch. However, if you're looking at all these sources of information, where the consumers are, what are they tweeting about, what are they doing on social media, how is the sale of your product in which regions, and what are the environmental factors, for example, weather, and then be able to predict that, hey, there is 90% certainty that certain product categories would sell great in certain markets, then mm-hmm. obviously algorithms can predict that. Okay, thank you very much. We have a lot more to get into. And by the way, I promised I would say what the title of this episode is. Forgive me for not mentioning it earlier. AI is for humans. What a provocative topic. Only four little words to pack a punch. Thank you, Mashud. Pleasure to speak with you. We have a lot more time with you coming up, and we're going to learn what you specifically do. And now let's go around the table a little bit further to Adam Mardini, also at SAP. And Adam has sent us a five-word quote from King John, and the, it's a historic play by Shakespeare, The Life and Death of King John. A historic play, William Shakespeare dramatizes the reign, reign of John, King of England, who ruled from 11. 99 to 1216. He was a son of Henry II of England and Eleanor of Aquitaine and the father of Henry III. Uh, it is believed to have been written, the play, in the mid-1590s, but not published until it appeared all the way into the 1620s in the first folio. And here's the quote. Five words. Listen up, everyone. Strong reasons make strong actions. Adam Mardini, how have you been? Great, thank you for asking. Uh, and I would like to tell you that actually I was debating between this code and between another code by uh, Professor Deming that uh, in God we trust, but everybody should, must bring data. Uh, strong actions, actually, it has to be backed up by strong reasons or by adequate uh, data. This is in life, this is in personal, this is in marriage, this is in everything. And I believe that uh, decisions had to be backed up with adequate uh, data and adequate reasons. And that's specifically the reason that I've chosen this code. Uh, in, in AI, which, by the way, I did my thesis in, in AI about 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like uh, Nain said, that this is not a new topic. This is an old topic since the 50s. Uh, now it's taken front stage, and now we are starting to realize the benefit. Uh, Google was founded on that. Larry Page, he made this whole company on the notion that I'm not just going to give you results. I'm going to give you results based on my understanding of your requirements, how the words correlate to, to each other, and do my back and research to give you the most uh, results that in the order that you should see those. And that's where the artificial intelligence is, is becoming into our life. Right now it's in every angle and every way and everything that we do, it has been touched in a way or another by, by AI. Thank you very much, Adam. Go, going back to the question I posed to your two co-panelists a little while ago, is it possible to 
create an algorithm that will be genius rather than the person. In other words, okay, we do the algorithm, there's machine learning, the machine is teaching itself, it's learning from expert experiences, it's piling up all of this learning, and it knows exactly when to pounce, when the right moment is for that stroke of genius in an, in an invention or in a, a trend, I think, as Mashud was talking about. Is it possible or do we still, are we still of nest, are we still needed? Let's bring it down to that. Are we still needed, Adam? How do you know when humans should be standing around saying, yeah, let's noodle on this a little bit. You know, let's let's think about this a little more before we make a decision. Are we out or are we in? Oh, absolutely, we're in. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of things that uh, we may have to let the machine handle those for us. They probably can do a better job than us. But uh, the human factor is still going to exist. The depth of the human personality and the human emotions, imagination, feelings, there is no way the machine can, can replicate or duplicate that. And uh, maybe we have to retrain ourselves into some areas. Uh, engineering world will be upside, turned upside down in the next 10, 20 years. Things will change uh, dramatically. But nevertheless, we will have uh, our role into the society and we will not be taken over by machines. Uh, although there's a big misconception in the market about how far the machines will go, and because the machines, they like the feelings, they like the emotions. Imagine mm-hmm. if a machine is going to decide if it's time to uh, uh, fire a missile. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I feel that, that we, we still have to have our role, we still have our place into this whole thing. Thank you, Adam. We, we've debated this question on several of our other Game Changer series, and the conclusion is that machines will not replace humans. They will just free us up from repetitive, menial, boring, uh, pencil-pushing, if you will, that old-fashioned phrase, pencil-pushing tasks to do higher quality jobs and processes. So I, I think that's where we're heading with this. Thank you all for a good introduction to our topic. Let's go around the table back to our first panelist, Naeem Zafar, Telesense. Naeem, I have three questions for you. Let's see how you answered them. Yesterday, I asked three questions to one of my panelists, and he completely lost track of which three. So I think I'll do it differently today. I think I'll ask you, number one, where are you calling from? Let's start there. Well, I'm calling from the heart of Silicon Valley. This is Cupertino, California, about 45 minutes south of San Francisco and walking distance of the Apple headquarter. Ooh, nice. That was a good picturesque description. Thank you very much. Question number two is, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that powers you and makes you so smart and so human? Let's leave it at that. Go ahead, Naeem. Well, there's a quite a variety to pick from depending on the time of day, but... You know, I've always been partial to banana milkshakes. <gasps> That's a one I, nutritious. I knew I liked meal. you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think anybody's ever said that on a Game Changers show. I'm well, sorry. I, I do recommend it. I, I do think too. You, try it. <laughs> you know, you, it's refreshing any time of the day. It makes a complete breakfast. It could be lunch. It has fruit. It has dairy. It's got everything. And I grew up, and I was growing up, I used to save money to get a banana milkshake. It's very close to my heart. Well, now, I have to know your recipe. Do you put ice on it? Do you put half a banana? Do you use 1% skim milk, 2% regular? Uh, do you add any sugar, any agave, anything else that goes into it? No, it's very simple ingredients. It's one full banana, whole milk, only okay. 
one teaspoon of sugar and a, a few ice cubes, but you want to crush it, and it's a thick frap. It's really quite good. I bet it is. And you know it's loaded with potassium, which is a good thing for all kinds of uh, keeping body parts moving, especially getting rid of leg cramps. I have half a banana or a full banana every day. Thank you. That was very refreshing because I I used to have a banana milkshake every morning. It's not on my current uh, food plan, shall we say, but I miss it dearly. Now, the question of the day for you, and Mashoud and Adam, get ready because I'm going to ask the same questions of you in a moment. Naeem, why don't you give us an overview of what you do? I have your bio here in front of me. It looks like you are a serial entrepreneur. You're a, a professor. What what do you do? What is your tell us sense? Tell us about that. But what what else do you do? Well, at the heart of this thing, you know, I'm a teacher. I was a teacher when I was 15 years old and making a living just by teaching other kids. So I've been teaching at UC Berkeley for the last 15 years, and that's really what I enjoy the most in Northeastern University and also Brown University, my alma mater. But I'm a serial entrepreneur running my seventh startup company. This is about Mm -hmm. applying AI to agriculture. And Telesense is an IoT company using predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to preserve all the grain lost after harvesting it. So today about $14 billion of grain is lost in post-harvest losses. It could be as high as 22% in Africa, as little as 1.5% in North America. So what if you can monitor what's going on in your grain, pest, infestation, moisture, mold, and what if you can predict when it's going to happen so you can take some action before it happens? This is a $14 billion problem worldwide. And we think it's about time somebody connects the dots and uh, offers a solution. I think so. I I have to also mention that you're an angel investor. You're a mentor. You've written five books on entrepreneurship. Um, Let's see what else. You sound like a renaissance man. May I say that? Is that an acceptable? Uh, That's my favorite secret word to describe myself. It's a high... It's a high praise, but I'm working on accumulating knowledge and connecting the dots. That's really a very meaningful way to say it. it well, I'm, I'm glad that resonated with you. And I think, <laughs> Naeem, I think it's the banana milkshakes. I, re- I, always <laughs> knew th- I always knew there was a connection from a banana milkshake to the brain, and you just proved it. AI is for humans, right. and so are banana milkshakes. Thank you so much. Hang tight. We're going to go around the table and find out the same questions from your co-panelists. And Mashud Alam, I'd love to know. I'm going to, now that you're you're practiced by listening to Naeem, what, number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, what's your favorite drink? And number three, what do you do? Go ahead. All right, sure. So I am dialing in from San Ramon, California, which is 45 minutes uh, north of where Naeem is and 45 minutes east of uh, San Francisco. So we're in the East Bay part of Silicon Valley. In terms of drink, my favorite drink is is water, actually. Nothing mm. beats water. Uh, but I'd like to give a story about uh, coffee, which I am yeah. fond of as well. Sure. And it's about 20 years back when I first moved to the United States. And that was my first entry to a fancy coffee shop. I think it was Starbucks, but I'm not 100% sure. I looked at the menu and I ordered espresso. And I was dumbfounded when I got the espresso because it did not have any milk. And in uh, Pakistan, that's where I am from, Mm -hmm. when you order espresso, at, at least at that time, you got essentially a cappuccino, 
one third milk, ah. one third uh, foam milk, and then yeah. one third coffee. Mm-hmm. And that was a very interesting drink. So what I took the lesson is that you have to understand the context of humans when you are actually designing anything. Um, the same word can mean totally different things um, depending on where the user is and what the context is. So that's a, a, a small story about espresso or cappuccino. I appreciate that. I have to tell you, before you tell us what you do, we had a panelist on several years ago who said she was a a big Starbucks fan and she and her husband had traveled to Australia and they walked into the nearest Starbucks after they got near their hotel and they looked at the menu and they didn't recognize any of the drinks on the menu because it was the Australia version. There was a, a flat white and a blonde this and a tall that and they looked and they said we had no idea. Then we coincidentally had a panelist who was from Australia and she said when she came to the U.S., she went to a Starbucks and she couldn't make out anything that was on the menu there either. It was just a coincidence that these two people were on the same panel. So talking about language and what means and, and drinks, and that's partly why I asked Naeem how he makes his banana milkshakes because I want to make sure we were talking about the same. I'm going to use the word beast, <laughs> Naeem, because it, it, it's a powerful drink. <laughs> no alcohol, of course, but still a powerful brain food drink. Thank you very much. And now, Mashud, what do you do at SAP? What's your role? Well, my role is, in a nutshell, driving human-centered digital transformation for world's top enterprises. As you and audience may know, uh, pretty much all the top customer um, enterprises in the world use SAP. And a lot of those companies are facing disruptive forces from digitally native um, competition, which is threatening their business model. So my role Mm -hmm. is essentially work with them to understand the dynamics of their customers, bring the voice of their customers into driving the digital transformation vision, and also bringing diverse perspectives from business, line of businesses, IT, and users to explore various options of how can they solve those problems and create new business models. And then finally, experiment on the selected new ideas using new technologies. And Mm -hmm. also, um, as part of this journey, I also help them foster innovation culture into their organizations. So that's essentially uh, what I do is drive human-centered digital transformation with world's top companies. Which is why you're on this panel, because our topic is AI is for humans, and we're making, we're making that into a declaration. Thank you so much, Mashud. Adam Mardini, where are you today? What do you love to drink? And tell us what's new with you at SAP. Adam? Uh, you're going to love this, because uh, <laughs> the Apple campus is actually between me and between nine. So oh. I'm in Santa Clara. I'm about uh, five, ten minutes away from the Apple campus, and on the other side of the Apple campus, I believe that's where Naeem is. Uh, my my favorite drink is actually herbal tea. Uh, right now, I'm drinking chamomile because I don't feel too well. I think coming down with cold. Oh. Uh, I love green tea. Uh, the Chinese green tea from Hangzhou area, this is the mountains. This is where they used to have the imperial uh, green tea. Otherwise, the matcha, which is the uh, Japanese version of the uh, green tea. And what I do is I'm responsible for innovation. I usually work with our elite customers trying to take their business challenges and their visions, such as for 2020 and beyond, 
and use the latest in technologies to realize those uh, challenges and resolve them. Uh, innovation has been in my DNA for many years now, and I enjoy uh, the most uh, the expression on customer faces when they say about something that it cannot be done, then they see it being done right in front of their own eyes. Thank you very much, Adam. Good to catch up with you. And, and I was telling you before the show, I wanted you to send my regards to your son who was on a show with you a few years ago. So we appreciate that very much. Thank and you. of course, we have to do a shout out. You're welcome. Have to do a shout out to Ira Burke and Rue Ja at SAP who helped put together this panel. Rue works so hard. And I, I work with Rue on the DDM internal uh, sales team tech talks. I host and moderate those for her at SAP. So good people working on this team. I'm Bob Bonnie D. Graham, and I am here in Durham, North Carolina. Adam knows a little bit about me. Naeem and Mashoot don't. I moved here one year ago from Long Island, New York. Big culture change, big temperature change. We both roasted and boiled and fried all summer in high 90-degree weather, and now it's 48 degrees, and summer was about two weeks ago. So what can I tell you? A friend just loaned me a great big thick book. I don't know who reads paper books anymore, but there's a huge book on southern gardening, and I need to learn what to put into the garden for next year so I don't lose so many things. They do not, they is the corporate they, do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. So you can probably figure out why that's the rule. All I have is cool, clear water and a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because it's a beautiful blue sky with some light, wet, fluffy clouds here in Durham. And I think it's going to warm up to all the way up to 60 degrees today. Woo! So you're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. I have to do a shout out to our audience around the world. You have made this one of our most popular series. We have 39, that's right, 39 radio series under the Game Changers banner, all produced by SAP and, and hosted by me. And uh, almost 18 of those, I think 18 are in production this year, 2018. But Internet of Things with Game Changers remains one of our most popular series. So what we're doing apparently resonates with the global audience. And I wanted to thank all of you out there who are listening for making this so popular. We appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. 90 seconds, that's it. When we come back, I will resume our roundtable formally with my three esteemed panelists, Naeem Safar at Telesense and universities around the world, Mashoud Alam and Adam Mardini at SAP. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. And we're back and we're talking to three esteemed panelists. Our topic today, of course, of course, is AI is for humans. We're speaking with Naeem Zafar at Telesense, Mashud Alam at SAP, and Adam Mardini at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're looking at our roundtable notes here, and here's where we're going to start. Naeem Zafar told me the following, and he will expand it for us, and we'll go all the way around the table. He says, only a few industries have been transformed by high technology so far. AI, that's artificial intelligence, and IoT, Internet of Things, are poised to touch almost all industries over time. Why don't you give us a little bit of this historical trending, Naeem, and then we will invite Mashud and Adam to chime in. Go ahead. So if you think about this, you know, all the electronic revolution started in 70s and 80s, and Internet accelerated that in the 90s. Not every industry has been quite been penetrated and touched and transformed. For example, manufacturing, especially semiconductor manufacturing, has completely been transformed by this trend. Retail, the fair amount of uh, uh, amount it has been transformed, but look at construction. Look at uh, agriculture. They haven't been touched by these high technologies. So there's a certain penetration which happens over time. I think now the time has come, and Internet of Things, which is wirelessly sensing, taking action remotely, machines talking to machines, and enough algorithms and software which can do artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a slow wave. Well, it's not that slow, actually. It's more of a tsunami, which is going to touch every single thing in its way. And it's beautiful to watch. I mean, I tell often people, this is maybe one of the best time to be alive. I'm so excited. Because in the next 20 years, all that will be unfolding. And I'm working in the agriculture industry right now, uh, applying the AI and IoT to save the world's food and reduce hunger and get ready to feed the 9 billion people we're expecting by 2050. So this is beautiful that you can optimize, you can enhance what people do. You were talking earlier about will AI replace people. Mm-hmm. AI augments what we do. We, just like the steam engine and then the other machinery augmented what we did, like computers augmented what we do. That's the promise of AI. Will it, some job will be completely replaced? Yeah, the most boring automatic job may be replaced. But so many new opportunities are enabled. It's enabling the human power to the next level. 
So what you're saying is don't be afraid. Welcome it, embrace it, and, and watch us transform to a, another, a higher level. Is that the, the summary of that name? Exactly, because we have seen this movie before. This happened in 1740 with a steam engine. This happened with the automation and assembly line in 1910. This happened again with electricity and then, then with the computer. So we have seen this. This allows us to reach the higher potential as humans. So let's embrace it. Let's work with it. Thank you very much. Diagnostics. Yep. Big, big advances there. Let's get Mashud Alam in. Mashud, agree or disagree with how Naeem set this up? What do you think? I think I agree with what Naeem mentioned over here with a couple of caveats. Um, If we compare what happened um, three to four decades back with uh, high technology and what is happening today is fundamentally different in the following sense. Uh, Previously, the technology revolution required technical expertise and capital investment to be able to embark on that journey of technological transformation. That prohibited the traditional industries like constructions and agriculture and others from adopting those new technologies. What is drastically different today is that with the advent of cloud computing, which is essentially infinite compute power with infinite storage mm-hmm. and an amazing amount of bandwidth and mobile access, the access to these new algorithms, which would be helping, for example, farmers or growers or construction workers or others in making better decisions, which are more efficient, they will have a high likelihood of having better business value in a short amount of time. So this time around, I suspect that this massive Um, transformation is going to be expedited, not just in the traditionally uh, faster pace of adoption industries like consumer products and retail and high tech, but also the laggards as well, because they Mm -hmm. will see business value being attained at a very um, fast pace. Thank you. Adam, and I like the caveats. I appreciate that. Uh, Adam Mardini, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree with what the other gentleman said? I absolutely agree. I mean, we are living in fascinating times. Uh, things are changing at alarming rate. Uh, if you look at the largest uh, I guess, taxi company in the company, they don't own any taxis, uh, Uber or Lyft. If you look into the largest content company in the world, Facebook, they don't own any content. It's just mm-hmm. user-based created uh, content. The world is changing really fast at alarming rate, and, and we're living at, at a time that we don't know, or actually we can predict, but to only a certain degree, what is the next thing that's going to happen and how would that affect our lives? I just uh, read earlier today about uh, research that's uh, taking place at uh, MIT where they're looking into how to minimize the power impact by changing the way that uh, power plugs that we are using would uh, recognize that uh, this type of uh, device that we're using, or appliance or application, that needs to have continuous power or not, and what type of power, and would that will have any surge, should, should it have surge protection or not. Small things are affecting us, and, and the world is changing, and there will be even further changes down the road. Uh, things that, uh, just like what uh, Naeem said, that in the retail industry, it's, it's going upside down. Who would have thought that uh, we will do so much shopping without even stepping a foot inside a retail store? Mm-hmm. And uh, these days, they can even predict what is the next 
trend will be and make that available so they don't have to overstock on any given item. Uh, hospitality, which is one of my favorites, is uh, they're doing so much prediction right now and they're trying to figure out what is the next thing that they need to make available and to adjust the pricing. Industries like the insurance company where they have the entire model is based on prediction. And now how they are going to react to having uh, autonomous uh, vehicles where it's whose who's fault is going to be to have an accident. Is it the driver or is it the manufacturer or is it someone else? So uh, it's interesting times to say the least. Thank you very much. Indeed, it is interesting times. And Naeem, I, I think we had a good roundtable on that one. I'm going to move to something, a very human issue in notes from Mashoud Alam. Mashoud, here's where I'd like to go next. You say AI-based solutions must be designed for trust. Users, especially expert users, do not want to just blindly trust recommendations from AI-based systems. They need to understand why? Why don't you take us through this very human, human and trust? I don't know if we'll ever have trust equals algorithms. I'm not sure we can ever achieve that. I think we still want to know there's a person in there somewhere. So, Mashu, talk to me, please. Absolutely. I think one of the things is um, we are, as consumers, already using a lot of AI-driven decisions and experiences on our mobile phone. What this passage that you just read referred to was the expert users. These expert users are primarily um, high-profile, high-value people who take high-impact decisions in enterprises. Their um, 20, 30 years of domain expertise is highly valuable. These could be process engineers in a factory floor. These could be procurement um, officers. These could be uh, financial accountants doing the financial planning part. And part of their identity is the expertise and their experience. When these machine learning-based algorithms provide suggestions which are compatible or even slightly better than their own judgments, it creates both um, an emotional um, uh, trigger to block these innovations as well as an opportunity for uh, the, the shareholders, essentially. So what we need to do is, and based on our experience with several of these projects in which um, the expert users questions, what is the reason why the algorithm provided this suggestion? So even though there are 40, 50 parameters in making these predictions, I think somehow there is a need for designing the recommendation to educate the expert user that what was the main trigger why the algorithm actually predicted a certain decision. And I think that's where it's very important. Otherwise, the, um, the resistance will be quite uh, heavy. But also, it's not just about resistance to the new innovation, but also looking at the system as a collaboration partner rather than a threatening force that's going to threaten their livelihood. So I think that's why it's very important to design it in a way that instills trust into the user's hands. 
Thank you very much, Mashoud. Before I go around to Adam and Naeem and have them comment, I just for the sake of our listeners, I want to clarify. We're talking about AI. We're talking about machine learning. Can we just do a quick level set definition of how they relate to each other, which is the child or cousin of which one, just so people know. And then I'll say, wait a minute. First, you're talking about machine learning. Then you're talking about RFS, and Then you're talking about IoT. How do they, can you just do a, a quick defining for us, please? Sure, I can, I can do that, and, and maybe Naeem and uh, Adam can also add to it. Yes. So artificial intelligence AI is the broader topic in which neural networks-based systems learn from the experience of past to predict future. And machine learning is essentially a subset of AI which is evolved from computing. So these are algorithms which actually feed on past data and then they identify patterns and then make predictions or take decisions in future. Thank you very so much. Is, uh, Go ahead. Just to add to, uh, say, the way I look at this thing is, IoT is the base sauce. It's like if you're making a pizza, that's your dough. So you <laughs> okay. see everything is on top of the dough. You, to make artificial intelligence, you need data so you can make sense out of it. So then that's the, that's the cheese and the topping on top of the pizza dough. So IoT collects the data so AI mm-hmm. algorithms can use it and learn from it, hence called the machine learning, so it can augment actions, thoughts, whatever needs to be done on top of it. That's the final product. I like Seems that. Like it- Naeem has not done his breakfast today. All his analogies are around food. <laughs> I, I was going to say, but we we should have we should have titled the show instead of AI is for humans. It could be the AI pizza for humans. Maybe that's <laughs> it's the sauce. It's all in the sauce. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Adam, I have to get you in on this. Adam, talk to me a little bit about what Mashud introduced and or the definition. Are you good with the pizza analogy? Uh, actually, I didn't have my breakfast too, so that sounds really good analogy. <laughs> I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> with you. <laughs> so uh, I, I do agree with with Mashhood and and actually uh, the the depth of of the analogy or the analysis that uh, that uh, machine learning would do. Uh, it it's not always accurate, and the level of accuracy it's uh, not. I mean, not consistent. So you can try one model. You can do classification, and you can get something. Then you can do clustering, get uh, something else. And that's why if you look into search engines, for example, my favorite is Google, and you look at it and you see that the, the way they, they list the, the items, uh, always by relevance, which means by, by the highest, the one that, that possibly that you are looking for, and mm-hmm. 9 out of 10, the one that you're looking for in the, the top 10. So the, the analogy of, of having, uh, let's say, an accountant, and, and there is something that we need to do, uh, we, we let the machine handle that, then we go back and we look at it and we say that, uh, yes, this is, this is exactly what we want, and no, this is close enough. The human factor need, need to have some influence there. Uh, my favorite example is our tax uh, forms. If, if there is a way to automate all of that and to have mm-hmm. machine learning and have artificial intelligence that I will plug in the figures and just give me the result, give me the the best deduction, then 90% of all the CPAs will be jobless. So this is something that cannot be automated to a certain degree. It, it, can, it can be automated, can give us some, some benefit, but only halfway through, halfway baked. Just like pizza, this is not fully baked, it's only halfway baked pizza. <laughs> Ooh, that's awful. Sticky dough, I don't like that at all. Naeem, join us, please. 
No, I think this is exactly right. Uh, you know, AI, people always exaggerate what it can and will do for you. It, it is the AI augments what we can do. I was surprised to hear that there are how many articles, medical artic, journal articles are published every day. And I was shocked to know the number mm-hmm. is 20,000. Yeah. Who's going to read 20,000 articles being published every day? But IBM Watson does, read 4 million articles and remembers it. So when you augment what a diagnosis by a doctor, augmented by AI engines, now you're getting somewhere. So it is the human interaction with the machine and algorithm which is going to have the compelling outcomes. So I think all three of us touched on that from different sides, but it is really the human interaction, human being in the center of it. Yes. Do you know that the Washington Post's robot reporter published 850 articles in 2017, Name? No, I had no idea. <laughs> Compelling. Yes, it's uh, it's on uh, Digiday, D-I-G-I-D-A. I've seen this. I've used this before on other shows. Uh, this article was posted in September of 2017. It's been a year since the Washington Post started using its homegrown artificial intelligence technology, Heliograph, H-E-L-I-O-G-R-A-F, to spit out 300 short reports and alerts on the Rio Olympics. Since then, it's used Heliograph to cover congressional and gubernatorial races on Election Day and D.C. area high school football games, producing, and they're showing a story. The Associated Press has used robots to automate earnings coverage, while USA Today has used video software to create short videos. Very, very interesting. Yes, uh, I'm going to, I'll post the the link on on our uh, hashtag. Yes, I'll post the link here in a moment. Who are we up to? Naeem, you, did you chime in here on this? And we're on, yes, I think we're already around the table on that one. I want to quickly bring in, before we do our crystal ball predictions round, something here in Adam's list I think is, is a very compelling topic. We're just going to have time You know what? Maybe we'll make this the basis of our predictions. Adam, here's what you told me. You say artificial intelligence poses profound ethical questions for humanity's future. What will a world filled with intelligent machines mean for the human family? Will the immense benefits of AI be shared with us all or reserved for an elite few? Adam, can you just set this up really quickly? And then, gentlemen, are the three of you okay with making this the basis for your prediction? You good with that, Naeem and Mashoud? Sure. Yep. Good. Okay. And that way we give a little more time to Adam's topic. Adam, go ahead. What, what are you thinking on this one? This is, this is going in line with uh, Elon Musk was, was talking about that uh, the machines uh, may break the family, may break our world. It is not to the, to, to the sense that uh, this is the Terminator type of scenario where there will be a war between the machine and the human. But it's just that the machine is going to take much bigger part of, of, of our life to the point that it may jeopardize our our uh, way of life, and 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 the way that we proceed with 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 our life, with family, with uh, with children, with school. If you can imagine at every single level, from the moment a child is born, a baby is born, to the to the moment that that uh, that baby become uh, become older, he goes to school. How the school is is, is going to be conducted, how is the family affairs going to be conducted, and moving forward. This is, I believe, the society is, is at a point that, that we have to put some, some boundaries and some guidelines and, and some guards around this. I think just, just my, my perspective on this, maybe I'm too uh, feeling a little bit too negative on this or having a dark side of this, but I've seen the, the side where Elon Musk was, was talking about 
Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, let's go to Naeem Zafar. Naeem, I'm ready for you. Prediction, I can give you 60 seconds. You want to stay on the topic Adam just introduced. It's up to you. Go. Well, so there are many, many predictions to be made. There are, of course, ethical dilemma we can talk about. Uh, you know, when does a self-driving car chooses to hit the two people in front of it or swerves into the traffic coming from the onside and there's a 70% of probability that owner of the driver of the car will be killed versus killing two people in front of you. How do you make that decision? Is it an AI-based decision? How do you even program that? So there's some hard choices to be made. But let me use my remaining 30 seconds on something else. Mm-hmm. I'm an optimist. Okay. So I see a future when it's the beginning of de-urbanization in our society. We ha- why do we live in congested city, fight traffic several hours a day, put on a monkey suit to go to a building? What's wrong with us? That's not how humans lived for the last 9,500 years or even 9,800 years. The fact is that's where the data is, that's where the information is, that's where the people are. All these technologies we talked about will allow us to access the data and the people from our little village by the river, from our media room, and we can have those conversations. We can still be productive. We want to live in small tribes when we can grow the local food and not have this antibiotic-filled food supply. We mm-hmm. can socialize and interact with each other, yet be productive and make money. This technology, finally, I can see enough that will make it possible. So I see a bright future of de-urbanization over the next 30 years, and I think that will be a good way to live. Thank you very much. And we're seeing a lot of uh, local farm places around the country pop up uh, farm to table so that people do want to even get closer to the agriculture, closer back to subsistence farming. Right, Naeem? And I want to make sure we save 60 seconds. That's all I've got for you, Mashoud Alam. Ready for your prediction. Go. All right. Well, I'll be quick over here. Try to be at least. Well, in the next 10 years, AI will be considered in the same manner as Internet is considered today. It will be everywhere everybody would have embraced it. And then the other part is, I think one of the risks with AI is the shrinking opportunities for novelty. If you look at machine learning algorithms and AI-based systems, they feed on the data of the past to make predictions for the future. If the data of the past is biased in the sense that, for example, um, there's only certain demographic which has data, then medical advancements would only help those demographics and leave out the rest. For example, if the loan approvals had um, bias against certain demographics based on the zip code where they live in, that's mm-hmm. going to be exacerbated. And yes. also more and more consumer-facing recommendations are based on what you like in the past. So it will let you not take advantage of a lot of new um, um, information that you might find useful. So the avenues for finding new information might shrink. So that's one risk. But overall, I'm with Naeem. I have a very positive outlook uh, of uh, the potential opportunities that AI-based systems is going to unleash. Thank you, and I like the optimism as well. We did a whole show yesterday on predictive machine learning, game-changing predictive machine learning on the uses of machine learning in trying to acknowledge, recognize, and address bias 
in HR processes. That's a huge topic. I'm Bonnie DeGram. I want to thank all of you so much for listening. Great information, great topic, great insights. We had so much more than we could cover in an hour, but we sure tried. So I want to do a shout out again to Ira Burke and Rue Ja at SAP for putting the show together and Aaron, our esteemed engineer at World Talk Radio, the Business Channel and the Influencers Channel. We have shows on both channels now and I want to say here's our call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Who knows? what kind of IoT sensors are feeding data into AI and ML so we can learn more about your driving habits, but that's another show. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Naeem Zafar at Telesense and universities around the world and startups and angel investing. He's our renaissance man today, just like Mashoud Alam at SAP and just like Adam Mardini, Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. We'll be back next week with more live game Changer shows. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.